Good morning, church. So we have a, in Spanish a saying that, that goes, uh, panza llena, corazón contento, which means full belly, happy heart. <laughs> so that's how I feel right now. I hope you, you do too. Otherwise, that means you came to church late. <laughs> Friends, uh, it's a joy to be here with you. We've been talking about miracles. Um, so I want to ask you to join me in scripture today, which is in Numbers 21, 4 to 9. And it says, They traveled from Mount Hor along the, the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread. There's no water. And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when, you spoke, when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who's beaten can look at, at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was beaten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Such a, it's a very unique miracle. A bronze snake on a pole. And now thinking with our 21st century eyes about this, and looking at God, and thinking about God and our picture of God during this time, I think it's very different to the picture the Israelites back then had of God. They experienced this powerful God sending plagues into Egypt to free them. They, they experienced God opening the Red Sea for them to walk through. And we would think, well, that makes it easier to believe in God and trust fully in God. But the reality is that even though that was their experience, they still had a hard time fully trusting in God. Which tell me, as human beings, sometimes we're hard-headed. And we have a hard time trusting God fully. So when they sinned against God, it wasn't because they just complained to God, God, I'm tired of being in the desert. It was because they spoke against God, which meant probably they insulted God, they cursed God, they cursed Moses. And when they asked for help, when they repented, you know, God sent help. Not in the way they hoped. Maybe they were hoping, okay, God, I'm sorry. You're going to free us just like that. Everybody's going to be healed. God could have done that, but he didn't. He sent a way through obedience. And that's what we can learn today from this story. And uh, as we focus on the message Mike has for us, let's be opening our hearts to receive the word from God and to obey what he has for us. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, thank you for another Sunday we get to be gathered all together here. 
Help us to see the miracles you're doing around us, among us. And help us also to obey your word. Sometimes we need miracles for, to help us see and to help us obey. So open our eyes. And also I want to pray that you're going to be speaking through Pastor Mike as he shares the word. And that we're going to be receptive and obey your word. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. You guys would love it if I came up, you know. That's, uh, we wanted peppy music for this series because we think it's a peppy thing. Hey, I want to welcome all of you in the name of Jesus Christ to Marion Methodist, those of you that are gathered here. And there's a lot of you this morning, like Gonzo said, uh, happy and filled, um, and we're glad you're here. And I want to welcome all of you. Uh, I've uh, had a couple of you reach out uh, over the internet this week, so I want to say hi to those of you in North uh, Iowa and also hi to those of you in Wisconsin that are joining us. It's a wonderful thing. The internet has some wonderful things to it, and part of it's that we can join each other uh, in worship. It's got some other things, and we need to police that as well. But welcome, and since I cast my eye towards the one uh, eye in the back that probably has more uh, people worshiping than are in our room today uh, with us. Uh, I do want to thank our tech team, and I, and I always, yeah, let's give them a hand. I mean, gosh. They, uh, some of them get here before 7 o'clock in the morning, get all this turned on and going. Uh, nobody back there is really getting paid to do what they're doing back there, so I appreciate it. You guys have made it run from day one, and we're great grateful. Now, um, we have something really cool next week. I, I know that it was on the screens, but if you've never seen this bell concert extravaganza that we uh, have here next week, Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock, I encourage you to come back. It's really a fun thing. It's, uh, of course, a lot of great melodies, but a lot of fun. Um, and it's a great way, a great day to invite some of your friends that don't go to worship anywhere, that uh, aren't, don't have their own local church to say, come on out here. Um, and be a part of this uh, thing. It's only about an hour long, and it's a lot of fun. So come on out. Uh, it's a great thing. So during this series on miracles, uh, you kept coming back, which means you're not afraid of the test, right? All right, three-question test again today. Quiz. Let's call it a quiz. Uh, the test is at the end, and we'll let Jesus adjudicate that, all right? First question. Which is not a miracle found in Scripture? Water gushes from a rock, defying science and satiating the thirst of the needy men. The boy falls down a mountain and thousands of feet high without breaking a bone. The water is too bitter to drink, which is transformed into sweet water and the oldest child of every citizen in a city dying the same night due to the stubbornness of the leader. Which one of those is not a miracle found in the scripture? B, B is correct. That would be called Breaking Bad, okay? Yeah, some of you came along with me from the 2000s, sorry. Second question, let's see how we're doing. Some of you are doing pretty well all the way through. Numbers 20, which is the chapter right before Gonzo, the one Gonzo read from this morning. Moses strikes a, a, a rock with his staff and water gushed out and still does to this day. Why does this displease God? Moses said the wrong incantation, A. B, because the people didn't need water as bad as they let on. 
See, he was only supposed to talk to the rock, not touch it. No one really knows. What's your answer? Good job, biblical students. Answer C. Take a look at that. Uh, he was only supposed to talk to the rock. He probably got fired up in the middle of the sermon and smacked it and got in trouble for that. Question number three. Um, so if some of you, a lot of you, at least on this side, are a perfect score so far. So, all right. In the story we read, we read today from Numbers 21, the Lord sends poisonous snakes among the people. Why? A, because the people did not trust the Lord. B, they were complaining about the same menu every day and night. The people were impatient and spoke out against God. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die or all of the above? What say do you? Yeah, it's D, all of the above. They said all of those things. And so, you know, I, I know as we, we study a miracle today that's 3,400 years ago, some of you might be saying, okay, okay, Pastor Mike, that's great, fun quiz and all that. The Bible's full of miracles. And the Bible also was closed as a canon um, uh, nearly 2,000 years ago. But what about today? What, do, do miracles still happen today? Do they still happen in amongst us? What about, what about in Mary? Does any, does any miracles happen right here? And I just ask you this. Would, would a testimony from one of our church members work? Would that work? Yeah? Well, then take a look at this. My name is Gary Sievers, and I'm a cardiac arrest survivor. On March 8th, I was working at a home in Marion and had to go pick up materials up for the Menards. I left at approximately 10.15, got there, got checked in, and as I was standing next to my truck to get the materials, suddenly I got, I dropped. Um, the next thing I know, I wake up and I'm in the St. Luke's ER. Apparently what had happened <coughs> is I had a cardiac arrest and an innocent bystander walking by or drove by happened to see me go down and called 911. Um, they dispatched a, a police officer from the Marion Police Department. At the same time, the associate went in and got a, a supervisor who knew CPR. He started CPR for approximately four minutes. The officer showed up and performed CPR for six minutes. The EMS showed up after that and they put an AED on me. Um, they worked on me for an additional 25 minutes. So before they even transported me from the Menards parking lot, I had been down for 35 minutes, flatline. They got me to the ER and they continued to work on me, made sure I was stable. And a couple hours later, I'm sitting up talking with the doctor. It was interesting because he looked at my chart and then he went back to the charge nurse, said, where's Gary Sievers? And she said, he's right there. He came back in, he says, Gary Sievers? I said, yeah, that's me. He goes, this doesn't make any sense. I'm looking at your chart and I'm looking at you and I don't understand how you can even be talking to me. He says, you have no cognitive difficulty or anything like that. And I simply just told him, I said, I work for a Jewish carpenter and my retirement plan isn't done yet. <laughs> so all of this to say, I'm a sinner like anybody else. <clears throat> I've had my issues with multiple things, but I've never lost my faith. I believe that God has a purpose for all of us, and specifically, I haven't achieved mine yet. And He gave me another round, another chance. So I look at life a little differently now, more seriously, and keep searching for that specific thing. And I have a few ideas what it could be, but bottom line is, 
A lot of things occurred to make this all happen. I don't take anything away from the medical staff. Everybody did exactly what they needed to do, but there was one thing they had no control over, and that was the timing. Had I left earlier, I could have been driving, I could have hurt somebody else. Had I not left yet, I could have dropped and been in the backyard. Nobody would have known I was there. I wouldn't be here to tell my story. So in all things, the consistency, um, everything came through as it should have, and uh, I'm here to talk about it. Oddly enough, the gal that I was working for, I met here at church. She happened to work for my in-laws approximately 45 years ago. The officer that did CPR on me, I met him the week before because I, needed, I had some business I had to do at the police department. And I spoke with him after the fact on the phone. He said that was me. And I just couldn't help but laugh because again, coincidence? No, God was in charge. The guy that called 911, he had a friend of his a couple years ago, apparently had a cardiac situation and he knew it's important to act immediately. EMS, they did everything they did. They were supposed to do. There are so many things in my life that have made it clear to me that God is actively involved in my life. And I'm no different than anybody else, but I believe I have my faith and I appreciate life because he's in charge. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord, who are called according to purpose, his purpose, including Gary Severs, who's sitting right there. So, so praise the Lord, you see? Praise the Lord, because you look at that video and you say, whoa, wow. You know, all the things that, that Gary said, you know, because what Gary did in the, what his responsibility was going into that and on the outside of it was to be faithful to God, right? Everyone else did what they were supposed to do. I don't believe in coincidence either, as, as Gary said. All these things lined up and, and all of a sudden, what we have now is a guy singing praises with us rather than us singing praises at his memorial service, amen? That's like a really big deal. This stuff happens. We might say, yeah, it happened to Gary, but what about, what about, and I don't know what about the whatabouts. I don't know why God picks some or, or allows some or has people in the certain spots and in the timing that Gary talked about. I don't know that for sure, and maybe we won't ever know, but what we do know, we can see from what you've seen there and from what we read in the scriptures is that healing miracles of body and, and mind are part of God's sovereign, majestic work in the world. It's simply true. So, so don't think that, that, that faith and the current world don't intersect because they do. The current world and faith intersect. Now, something I learned this week that I want to share with you right now, and this is an important historical lesson, and we'll get right to the miracle of the serpent. The serpent on the pole is known as a caduceus. This is the symbol of the medical profession. It truly is. Take a look at this. Picture. Look like two snakes on a pole, doesn't it? Did you know that? I had no idea that that's where this came from. 
And yet, when I, when I looked at reliable sources and Wikipedia, we, we <laughs> great, I put it on the internet, great. Um, but this symbol, the symbol you see in front of you on the screen, originates in 1400 BC with the story that we just read a few moments ago. Now it's evolved over time, but unquestionably, it originates in the bronze serpents erected on the pole to cure the people who were bitten by snakes that were residents of the community of Israel. Now, you might say, well, why did they stick with that? Well, there's some other reasons that the serpent was kept. One is that serpents, uh, snakes, shed their skin. And that reminds us of uh, longevity and immortality. Another reason that they've continued on to use the snake is, to, is, is that a snake can change from a very lethargic state where they're hardly moving around at all to one of rapid activity, which is symbolizing the power of convalescence uh, from illness to back to health. So we understand that, that that's it. But we understand that our, our lives are connected from beginning to end. And a story that, that, that uh, happened 1,400 years before Christ, so 3,400 years ago, is still being worn as a symbol on your medical doctors and some of your technicians' lapels. So now, knowing what you know, having passed the quiz, having heard a magnificent testimony of the truth of God, of how he intersects in our lives and gives us physical healings, and understanding that the world community recognizes God's healing power as truth and the healing power of God, then let's look at our miracles. Our, our miracle series uh, has been focusing on three aspects of every miracle. What happened, why did it happen, and why are Christians to believe in it? So let's jump right in. What happened? What happened out there with the Israelites? Well, God sends a multitude of unescapable, and that's important, unescapable venomous snakes into the Israelite camp. Now, importantly, look at where the snakes come from. God sends them. They don't just kind of meander out of the desert, up from the rocks and all that kind of scent. They are God sent. God says, I don't know how snake language goes, but he says, go get them. And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Remember like 40 years ago, some of you have seen, and maybe you've seen it on like Nickelodeon or something like that, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, Harrison Ford falls down in that room and he's like, snakes, why are there snakes everywhere? And the whole floor is like snakes. And then, and then Samuel Jackson gets in a plane and there's snakes all over the plane, right? Snakes, 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 everywhere, snakes. And that's what's happened to the Israelites. There's snakes in their sandals. There's snakes in their tunics. There's snakes in their beds. There's snakes in their rice. There are, I guess, manna. There's snakes everywhere. They, they can't get away from the snakes. They can't outrun them. They can't cast them out. And there's so many that they possibly can't count them. And so they recognize what they've done. And so they confess their sins. And they plead with Moses they confess their sins and, and beg Moses because the people knew Moses was in communion with God. And they say, there's snakes everywhere. <laughs> we gotta get to you. We, we, we wanna talk to you, Moses. And they, they simply say it's kind of a mass. We've sinned against the Lord and we've sinned against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. Okay, hear that prayer. That's the prayer of the Israelites. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away. If God can send the snakes, he can take them away. And they know. That's why they're there. 
So, so don't forget their request. Take them away. And so, of course, since they were at, Moses was asked, Moses prays that the Lord would take the snakes away. And God answers, but not with what the people ask. He does that sometimes, you know. He doesn't give the people what they ask for. He gives what he needs them to have. He gives the people, his people, what they need to have. And so what God does is God commands a symbol of obedience and healing. A symbol of obedience and, and, and healing. And he doesn't take the snakes away. His answer to the Israelites' prayer is for them to look at this symbol, this, this stick with a bronze snake at it. Snake at it. And when you look on top of it, and it, when you look towards the snake, you will be healed. Think about an Israelite mom or dad saying, are you kidding me? Junior's out there playing Jewish football. He gets bit by a snake and he's supposed to stop and look at the stick. Yeah. And even though the scriptures record many people dying and the snakes still being there because I mean that's the other thing the Israelites would say really seriously all these snakes are still alive underfoot yeah they're going to still be there and you will not die but the trouble will remain you know that's part of our need for miracles isn't it is the trouble remains we oftentimes pray and pray and the venom is still all about us so why did this miracle happen why did it happen because God is punishing Israel for not completely trusting him in numbers 20 and 21 there's three murmuring stories they're called this is the third and the last of the murmuring stories where the Israelites are saying seriously same food every day God we want a new menu manna in the morning manna at night little quail in the morning little quail at night is there any possibility, Lord, that we can get like an egg in here somewhere? You know, doesn't say that. That's a Mike interpretation. <laughs> they, hadn't they hadn't developed DoorDash Israel yet. But they want a new menu. And they say, Lord, Lord why'd you bring us out here to die? Why, why? We could have died anywhere. Why'd you bring us out here? Get us out of Egypt just to die. Because, and here's the problem. The Israelites had forgotten how good God was to them and how much he had given them already. He gave them freedom. He, 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 he got them out by the plagues upon uh, the, the, the Pharaoh and, and all the Egyptians. He got them freed from slavery, from, from, from working in the hot sun, from dawn until dusk. And then he delivered them. He, he got right, the, the people right out to the edge of the, of the Red Sea and God just split that sea so they could walk right across it on dry ground. And then he protected them day and night with a pillar in front and a pillar behind and no evil could get, get to them. And he gave them food every single day. Did they appreciate the meal the same every day? No, but they had sun sustenance morning noon and night they forgot what God had given them so far and they weren't paying attention to what God was promising he was going to give them a land flowing with milk and honey an exponential growth through the progeny of their people they were going to fill the whole world with as many people and as many descendants as there are seas in the sky sand on the ocean uh, beaches 
And Moses and Aaron, though great leaders in many ways, they were at fault too because they did not completely trust or follow God's instruction. Moses was supposed to turn to a rock and speak to it and water would flow out. Now I'm a leader of people and sometimes leaders, you know, have struggled to get their people moving and maybe the people in the back were talking, I don't know. Maybe they were still having the last biscuit and gravy, I don't know. But Moses is talking to him and he just takes his snap and he smacks the rock. Now the outcome was the same, water flowed out of it. But this displeases God a lot, so much so that God says to Moses and Aaron, you will not be able to be admitted to the promised land. And Aaron, by the way, you're going to clock out now. You're going to die here. Now you say, isn't that kind of rough? Yeah, it is. It's rough in in what I would call a hot stove kind of way. You know, I, I've raised, uh, along with Teresa, two, two kids to adulthood successfully, which we're happy with and proud of. And I will tell you, there were some hot stove moments in there. There's moments when you're a dad or a mom where, where you don't negotiate with students, with children. You know, if my little girls, and I don't remember if they did, they probably did, because, you know, kids are curious. They want to know all things. I'm sure if there was that moment where they were walking across our kitchen and seeing that glowing hot red, you know, circle of electric heat there on the stove, that they were thinking to themselves, I- I'm going to touch it. And I'm sure at that moment, when they were moving towards it, I probably said, okay, honey, let's, let's, let's measure your choices here. You know, <laughs> you're three, and... You can barely reach it, so maybe you want to wait till you're older. Or, you know, the thermodynamics and all that. I'd say, no, I would have said, no, stop. And I might even have grabbed their ponytail and pulled them back, which would have hurt a little bit, but not as bad as having your fingerprints burned off, right? And dad having to pay his deductible, of course. <laughs> but, but God has some hot stove moments with his people, too. We know what we're supposed to do and we start doing the very thing we're not supposed to be. So sometimes God has to say, stop, stop right now. So, so God, in a very dramatic way, God is seeking to teach the Israelites that he cares for them and they're resisting him. God needed to remind them that he was theirs and they were his people. Yeah, the menu's going to be small and limited for a long period of time. Yeah, the campsites aren't going to be varied. But pay attention to what's coming. I promise you it's better, says the Lord. So why are Christians to believe it? I want you to to take a look at this next thing. This is the tweetable moment, if you tweet. I don't know if there's only 140 characters up there or not, but every follower of Christ has a reputation among people who do not know the Lord. Understand that people that are not Christian look at you to figure out what a Christian is and whether or not they want to be one. People around you all the time. We know that many, many people in our culture are not following the Lord, but they're looking to see if you are. People without Christ may not follow the teachings of the Bible. They never said they would. They don't even believe that they necessarily apply to them. But we've said we would. And watch this. They certainly expect you any professing Christians to live by them. If you say you are something, then you have to be that. And and it's very important for us to understand that in this miracle story, the people of God are to be obedient to him and they were not being that. 
The Israelites were God's friends, but they're acting like they're not. The Israelites are God's subjects, but they're acting like they're not. We cannot fall into that same trap. We must live the way of Christ every single day in our daily lives. We cannot forget how good God is to us and what he's going to give us. We simply cannot. We understand that we, that we need to confess our lack of focus and adoration to God. And, and I just ask you this, what symbol? You know, I was fortunate, and I told you this a couple weeks ago, you know, to, to, to get the, the packet of about a couple hundred of the burdens and concerns that you laid down on the altar before Good Friday. Now, you aren't all here, so you have other ones as well. But, but what a privilege it was for me to pray them. And, and I, when I extrapolate those burdens into this story, what I see is there's some venomous snakes around all of us. They're different. We're all susceptible to something else, something different from the one before us or behind us or left or right, but they're still there and we need symbols because we cannot escape the venom of this world. I promise you this. These snakes that God sends, these snakes are divine, agents of divine punishment and potential healing. The, the ability that God gives for evil to roam around the world is, is part of the response to human free will, but it's also the opportunity we have to receive everlasting uh, healing. See, the snakes are not a natural phenomena. The point of the story is that healing can come through intercession and obedience to Christ. It can come through reaching out to Christ, asking him to, to relieve us of the venom that's biting us, and also living obediently. The snakes in the wilderness show us to be a forerunner to Jesus. We so often, when we read the Gospels and we teach students, we, we, sh we share that scripture. Most of us have it memorized if you've been Christians more than a month or two. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Look what precedes it in John chapter 3. Just as Moses lifted the snake in the wilderness. Do you get the tie into Jesus here? Just like Moses put a stake on the stick and dra drove it into the sand in the wilderness. So must the Son of Man, Jesus speaking about himself, be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. That's what precedes one of the most famous Bible verses most of us that learned in third or fourth grades can kick out. John has Jesus saying that he is like <clears throat> the bronze serpent. And the snakes of sin will lose their venom if you just focus your eyes on me and be obedient to me. Jesus lifted up will draw all people to himself. This is the forerunner. What we're told is that, that this is what we're supposed to do. Look at him with the eyes of our, of our body and with the eyes of our soul. Look at him and we will all live. 